The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the host and their guests, and not those of W4CS Radio, its employees, or affiliates. W4CS makes no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Support Network on W4CS.com. Any health-related information on the following show provides general information only. Content presented on any show by any host or guest should not be substituted for a doctor's advice. Always consult your physician before beginning any new diet, exercise, or treatment program. Live. I'm Carolyn Gazella, your host tonight. My good friend and co-host, Dr. Lise Allschuler, has the night off. Tonight, our topic is boosting brain power with nutrition. And I must say, I never get bored talking about the brain. The human brain is so very fascinating. And the fact that we can actually influence how powerful our brain can be is really exciting. Before we begin, I'd like to make a few announcements. Um, As you know, if you've ever missed any of our shows, don't worry, because you can find all of our past shows on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and many other podcast outlets. We also feature our past shows on our website at iThrivePlan.com. Before we begin, I'd also like to thank the sponsors of our show, who are Cetria Glutathione, Cognizant Citicoline, Dr. O'Hara Probiotics, and of course the iThrive Plan. We appreciate our sponsors very much. Tonight, I have the perfect guest with me because he's just as fascinated with the human brain as I am. My expert is Ray Griffiths, who is a registered nutritionist and lecturer who hails from the south of England. Ray has a background in broadcast engineering, and he likes to apply a similar system style philosophy to nutrition and biochemistry. Ray, thanks for joining me. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you tonight. Yeah, and it's late where you are, so thanks for staying up for us. Yeah, it's midnight now, so I'm I'm staying I'm staying up, but I really want to really want to chat with you. I'm really looking forward to it. I know I am too, and I want to just dive in because I have to tell you, um, as I said, I love talking about brain function. So let's begin by talking about how incredible the brain actually is. Give us a, a little bit of an overview on how the brain works. Well, first of all, I want to say just, just how incredible the brain is. There's, there's 86 billion neurons in the brain. That's three times as many neurons as the nearest primate. So that it's, it's absolutely outstanding how the human brain has evolved. And I, I heard tonight um, there was a guy on, uh, talking about artificial intelligence, and he said the human brain, when he's working with artificial intelligence, he realizes the human brain is a marvel of the universe, he said, which sounds sounds wonderful but that that's just how impressive the human brain is with its 86 billion neurons um and just to get an idea of how much energy it needs it needs um about a quarter of all our energy a quarter of all our glucose goes to feed the brain and about a fifth of all our oxygen and uh so 
it's it's hugely resource hungry considering it only weighs two percent of a whole body weight can you think about that it's just a it's a, a quite a, a light weight compared to the rest of the body but it consumes huge amounts of resources and so the the human brain is is perceived to be at the limit of its energy production so we really really have to look after it to make sure it can do the miraculous things we need it to do um, yeah yeah, and that—that's actually where we're going to talk about nutrition. I, I wanted to touch on um, this issue of the blood-brain barrier and how how things um, enter the brain and and if it's even possible to feed the brain. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the things I I work with a lot, I mean, I work with people with Parkinson's too, is. Uh, making sure the blood-brain barrier has great integrity. And one, one of the things, one of the problems with depression and neurodegeneration is the blood-brain the blood -brain barrier being too leaky. Um, but yes, we can get nutrients across the blood-brain barrier and that there are transporters that help to transport the nutrients across. Um, so yes, we can get nutrients in. And I mean, for me, fruits and vegetables are, are perhaps the most important ones for, for us to eat for, for reducing brain inflammation and protecting against cancer as well. Yeah, and we're going to talk a lot more about very specifics and we're going to um, get you to give us some very practical advice. Um, how did you get interested in the brain in particular, um, uh, Ray, with your work with nutrition? I, my master's degree, my my dissertation for my master's degree, I concentrated on Parkinson's disease. And through that, I started to understand just how important mitochondria were in protecting against depression, Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, that the, the huge amount of energy the brain needs um, can be, so the brain's uh, function can be undermined if there's not sufficient energy. So I, I've got this fascination um, in looking at, at mitochondria, because my first book was on mitochondria, uh, my second book was on Parkinson's, and, and now I, I'm really fascinated by depression and how, particularly the, the hippocampus that's, uh, that deals with a lot of the issues to do with mood and, and how we can feed that and nourish that and keep its energy. Yeah, it's a big, big topic. Um, remind us again what the mitochondria are and why they're so significant. Okay, so mitochondria uh, used to be bacteria. So about a billion and a half years ago, there was this process that occurred in evolution called endosymbiosis, where mitochondria, um, they were alpha proteobacteria and there's endosymbiosis and they came across and they formed a, a new kind of organism. And um, so th these um, bacteria that used to be bacteria are now are mitochondria and they, they give us energy and I, I see them like little Duracell power packs in, in our cells um, and they're particularly important in the brain. The, I mean, the average cell has about 6,000 mitochondria to give, give a cell energy but in the brain say for example a dopamine producing neuron can have as much as a million mitochondria and they're all needed to keep the, the, the structure of the axons and synapses working to top um, top efficiency and without mitochondria working giving us that energy then we start to suffer from all sorts of um, cognitive dysfunction mood disorders and, and eventually neurodegeneration 
Yeah, I mean, that's really what it's all about, protecting the brain, boosting brain function. You know, you mentioned depression. Uh, there are also mental health issues like anxiety and other other issues. And, and then just for uh, a lot of people, it's about protecting cognition and our ability to think and remember <laughs> and, and execute things. And I am telling you, um, I hear about it a lot in talking to people that brain function is so important. I, I think it frightens us. Uh, to think that we could lose uh, brain function and capacity and uh, there could be uh, dementia or, or other things that settle in. Is that what you're finding with your clients is that they're trying to be proactive as well? That They are trying to be proactive and, and we're just, just starting. We're just at the very beginning in understanding just how important it is to feed the brain. I think up until recently, it's been thinking about the psychological aspects of brain function. Well, that's really important, but we have to nourish the brain. We have to nourish it with the correct food. But um, and, and this is really exciting. We have to nourish it with the correct uh, friends, family, loved ones, um, being outside in a green or blue environment by the sea, uh, exercising, reducing stress, all these things can help to nourish the brain just as much as food does. And, and I think it's it's really starting to uh, open up people's um, ideas to new ways of helping defend against depression and against neurodegeneration. Yeah, I would agree. And we're going to be talking about all of those things in a lot of detail. We're going to start with diet and then we're going to expand from there. But it is time for our first break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about brain health with our nutritional expert, Ray Griffiths. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. I'm Carolyn Gazella, best-selling author, publisher, and cancer survivor. For years, I've been taking Dr. O'Hara probiotics. I chose Dr. O'Hara probiotics because of the highly innovative three-year fermentation process. With Dr. O'Hara, the probiotic bacteria are fermented with foods to ensure that I'm getting the highest quality probiotic supplement possible. I highly recommend Dr. O'Hara probiotics. Ask for Dr. O'Hara probiotics at your local health store. We are constantly being bombarded by toxins in the air we breathe, water we drink, and even the foods we eat. So what's the answer? Glutathione. It's inside every cell in your body and protects you from the damage of oxidative stress and toxins. There's a special patented form of glutathione that is superior called Cetria. Cetria is pure, vegetarian, and allergen-free. Help replenish your body's reserves of this very important nutrient, detoxified in a natural way. Visit cetriaglutathione.com. That's cetriaglutathione.com. Welcome back to Five to Thrive. 
Thrive Live. I'm your host, Carolyn Gazella, and I'm with nutritionist Ray Griffiths, who is Skyping in from the United Kingdom. Uh, thank you for that, Ray. And now, Ray, what, what's this concept of neurogenesis, and why, why is neurogenesis so significant? Um, it's, it's really exciting that we now know that we can regrow parts of our brain and, and particularly in the hippocampus. The, the other area is in the olfactory nerves of the nose. Um, but the hippocampus is so important to be, uh, to be protected because it's, it's heavily involved with emotion and memory. And the fact that it can regrow itself through neurogenesis is really exciting. So uh, a lot of the things that nutritionists are starting to look at is one, how can we prevent the hippocampus from shrinking during a depressive episode? How can we support it nutritionally by reducing, by trying to reduce inflammation, trying to reduce stress? And secondly, what can we do to, to help regrow the hippocampus, get these neurons undergoing neurogenesis. Um, so, so it's a really, it's a really exciting finding. Yeah, I mean that that's that really that's the crux of it. I mean the fact that we now know that what we do can have a direct impact on brain function. Um, I mean that, as you said, it's very exciting. So let's start with nutrition. Um, can you give us some examples of how certain nutrients? or even foods can positively impact brain function? Yes. Uh, initially, I want, just want to mention uh, inflammation is, is, is a big one, particularly for someone undergoing chemotherapy, that, that they, they might experience something called chemo brain, uh, which is similar to the loss of hippocampal function that someone with uh, depression that's unrelated to cancer. Um, so trying to reduce inflammation, so eating a typical Mediterranean diet, uh, reducing junk food can reduce brain inflammation and that can allow neurogenesis. Just by reducing inflammation, the, uh, the brain can then shift its, its way of working to, towards making more, more neurons. It can give the brain more energy. Inflammation tends to short circuit the brain's energy. So foods such as um, so fish oils, uh, Mediterranean diet, um, so all the, all the foods, all the fruits and vegetables that you might get in the Mediterranean diet, all the, the, like tomatoes. Um, there's also components of foods like luteolin, which is in, uh, you might call, do you call them bell peppers? Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. So, so green bell peppers, that's, that's rich in luteolin, as is chamomile tea, lavender tea, um, and... Uh, celery as well. Do you call it celery? Is that, is that what you have in, in yes. America? Yeah, yep. celery. Mm -hmm. um, foods that contain high amounts of hesperidin, so they have the uh, flavonoids, hesperidin and, uh, and, and rutin. So what, what the uh, components of foods like luteolin, hesperidin and rutin do is they reduce inflammation, but they also start to activate receptors in the brain. So it's, it's a bit like a lock and key that these uh, flavonoids from foods can then bind to receptors and the receptors called track A, uh, track A and track B, sorry, there's two of them, track A and track B, and they can then switch on neurogenesis and brain growth. And they, they then allow all the things to fall in place that allow neurons to grow and repair synapses. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the diet that we recommend with the iThrive plan, a whole foods, Mediterranean-style 
diet. And it's interesting, we recommend that style diet because of its anti-cancer effects, but it also, as you mentioned, there are direct studies associated with the benefits of the Mediterranean diet and brain function, as well as heart disease and diabetes and, and yeah. all these other things. So that's a great uh, diet to so, recommend. So NF -kappa, have you heard of NF-kappa-B? Yes. NF-kappa-B is a transcription factor and the NF stands for nuclear factor. So when we eat the wrong things, when we're stressed, when we uh, have inflammation or even under chemotherapy, this NF-kappa-B will drive inflammation and undermine brain function. So NF, nuclear factor, NF means it's talking to our DNA. And this is the important point that everything we eat will talk to our DNA and tell it what to do. So when we eat a Mediterranean diet full of fresh fruits and vegetables, um, the our DNA has been told to calm down, reduce inflammation. And and also it will reduce inflammation in the brain. When we eat a junk food diet and we don't exercise, we have a, a, the opposite where the DNA is starting to inflame and that undermines our brain function. I know I love this idea that food talks to our DNA. That That's brilliant. Absolutely now, it does, yeah. You know, you've mentioned junk food a couple of times. So let's have some very specific examples of how foods or which foods, I should say, negatively impact brain function and have an inflammatory effect versus an anti-inflammatory effect. So going, I, I do go on about the Mediterranean diet a lot, but the, the, there's a recent study that looked at the Mediterranean diet and inflammation compared to the typical Western diet. So that's burgers, fries, um, potatoes, white bread, um, uh, you, you call them potato chips, uh, candy, uh, drinks, sweetened drinks, um, all those will drive up. This NF-kappa-B was tripled in level compared to the Mediterranean diet when people ate a junk food diet. So this was increasing the person's chance of cancer. This is increasing the person's chance of depression. And, and in fact, we now know there's a, a study in London that looked at uh, men over a period of years when they drank the equivalent of two cans of sweetened drinks for five years, that there was a significant increase in depression just by having the, the sweetened drink. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's uh, pretty scary. Now, it seems straightforward, but what are some of the challenges associated with feeding the brain properly? What, what gets in the way for us to feed our brain the way we should be feeding it? I think it's the it's Western life, isn't it? It's it's this that we feel we've got to be on the go, we've got to do this and do that, and 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 then we feel we need to reward ourselves in some way for have a treat for for um, working so hard. So we might we we don't take time to eat and nourish ourselves and do all the things that are good for us, and then when we do stop, we then choose the very things that damage us even more. So it's this cycle of just on this treadmill, not being able to take time out to, to look after our body and our brain. Mm. Yeah, it's a really good point. And I'd like to kind of move into how we can kind of break that cycle and how we can create uh, different routines and different uh, rhythms. And I'd like to begin with stress. Um, you mentioned uh, stress earlier. Um, how does stress impact brain function? Um, the... 
one of the one of the big ways is is again through mitochondria these power packs that, that give us our, our energy and and our neurons absolutely depend on them we need vast amounts of mitochondria giving atp our energy fuel source to our synapses to, to keep them working to keep us um, mentally alert and our cognitive function so uh, these mitochondria when we're stressed uh hormones like cortisol will tell them to work harder but they can only work so far so hard and so fast so the initial stress can be really supportive for brain function and can be helpful but in the in the long term if that stress goes on for too long these poor mitochondria start to break down and you have to remember these mitochondria used to be um, bacteria so when they start to break down the immune system starts to see them as the enemy again and drives an inflammatory response. So, so stress can really undermine mitochondria, drive inflammation, uh, causing mitochondria to break down, leading to damage to our neurons and our hippocampus. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, what we always say with the iThrive plan, especially because we're dealing with people who've been diagnosed with a cancer with cancer, or a loved, they've had a loved one who's been diagnosed. So sometimes it's hard to control the amount of stress that you're mm -hmm. under. You know, you, you, you really can't control that. Um, the diagnosis is what it is. But we can support our brain and our bodies during times of stress. So what are your recommendations on how we can support the human brain during times of stress? The, 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 again, there's more information coming out about heart rate variability um, and how that is representative of how our nervous system, that the parasympathetic nervous system, which is involved in relaxation, how that's functioning. Um, and we, we may not realize it, that we, we may be moving into a stressful way of being. And what the what um, various monitors you can now have, um, and, and you, can, you can use these to monitor your heart rate variability to help you do some breathing exercises to help you bring yourself back into a more relaxed state of state of mind. And by doing so, by, by uh, working that way, a parasympathetic nervous system will work with the vagus nerves um, that then will go into the brain and then start to reduce inflammation and give us more energy. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I'm going to talk about the, the vagus nerve in a little bit, uh, because I'm glad that you mentioned that, but yeah. ne next to the brain, I have to say that my second fascination is with the gut. And now we have, and I've been writing a lot about this and we've done shows about this. Now we have this connection between the gut and the brain called the gut brain access. Mm. Why, why is this connection? Why is this gut brain access so important and maybe remind us what what uh, uh in a nutshell what how do you describe this gut brain access well the it's, again it's the vagus nerve that connects the the gut to the brain and we, we we haven't really because it's so far away we haven't really taken it seriously but we're now starting to realize particularly through experiments with animals when they when they block the vagus nerve connection to the brain from the gut to the brain the ability for the hippocampus that's involved in our, our sense of well-being, the ability of the hippocampus to maintain its integrity and size, um, it, it becomes compromised and it starts to shrink. So we now know 
a, a really important part of keeping yourself mentally well is, is the connection from the gut to the brain through the vagus nerve. Um, and I, I saw something last week that said, uh, have, you, have you heard the term, what, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? Have you heard that term? <laughs> yes, we have. It's yeah. a very popular term here in the States. <laughs> yeah, well, the, they, they said in this article, they said, well, in terms of the vagus nerve, what happens in the vagus nerve never stays in the vagus nerve. It, it's, <laughs> it, it happens, what happens in the vagus nerve happens everywhere. And vagus means wanderer. It's a, like a, a vagabond or wanderer. So it's a nerve that's all over us and everywhere and picks up on all our senses. And so we need our gut and all our senses to be feeding our brain. We need to be doing things which will feed our brain. Um, and so making sure that we have um, good gut bacteria, the microbiota are, 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 are balanced and, and not inflaming the gut too much will allow a better communication between the gut and the brain. Yeah, I think that that's probably the most interesting part about the gut-brain access is that we now know that bacteria in the gut or an imbalance of bacteria in the gut influences brain function. I mean, the studies associated, and, and, and you are an expert on depression, you know, the studies associated with, uh, you know, that imbalance of gut bacteria, if you, if you correct that, uh, the depression is, is healed or the anxiety is, is lessened. Yeah. And is, is that what you're finding as you're doing your research as well? Yes, uh, the, the, and that happens by the by the vagus nerve. That's also happening um, when bacteria cross the, um, the the gut wall, and then that will drive the innate immune system. So there's things called toll-like receptors, which are also in the brain, can be driven by these displaced uh, bacterial particles driving inflammation in the brain, as well as talking through the vagus nerve too. So you're talking about like a leaky gut syndrome is what yeah. we, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really great point. Um, so even though that's not directly, that bacteria is not directly making its way to the brain, it's, it's being seeped out of the intestines and then it's causing an inflammatory response and it's causing uh, brain dysfunction. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah. There's this, there's components of the bacterial cell wall called uh, lipopolysaccharide and they can cross the blood brain barrier. And, and if the gut, is compromised and quite often the blood the blood brain barrier can be compromised too and allowing various toxins in including lipopolysaccharide which will then drive brain inflammation and undermine the hippocampus mm -hmm. yeah so there really is a direct a uh, direct pathway there um, yeah. well good well i want to talk more about the gut brain access but it is time for our final break when we come back we're going to continue our conversation with ray griffiths a nutritionist about building and boosting brain power so stay tuned we'll be right back America, we've got your back for immune health this season. It seems that everyone you know has a cold or the flu. Many health professionals agree that probiotics are the number one natural therapy for boosting immune health at this time of the year. Why are probiotics so good? Because 70% of your body's immune cells reside in the GI tract. By taking a superior probiotic daily like Dr. O'Hara's probiotics, you can enhance your overall immune system. Since its origin over 30 years ago, Dr. O'Hara's probiotics has prided itself on purity in creating the certified vegetable 
vegetarian probiotic supplement, free of gluten, allergens, and GMOs. Natural healthy fruits and vegetables are fermented for three years with 12 probiotic strains to create Dr. O'Hara's trademark postbiotic metabolite blend. Discover the Dr. O'Hara difference for yourself this cold and flu season. Get them today. Dr. O'Hara's probiotics are available at natural health retailers everywhere. Attention all cancer survivors, are you ready to thrive? Hello, I'm Dr. Lee Sauschuler. And I'm Carolyn Gazella, and we are the creators of the new iThrive Cancer Survivor Online Wellness Plan. iThrive creates an individualized wellness plan specifically based on your health needs. We focus on five key areas to improve your health. Diet, movement, environment, rejuvenation, and spirit. After completing a short survey, an individualized iThrive plan will be created just for you. Your plan will contain recommended, interactive, interesting, and innovative action steps in these five key areas of lifestyle. The iThrive plan will help you to recover from cancer treatment, reduce your risk of recurrence, and to achieve optimal wellness. In other words, it will help you thrive. For more information about the iThrive plan, visit www.ithriveplan.com. That's ithriveplan.com. Check it out today and receive a special time-limited offer. Visit www.ithriveplan.com today. It's time to thrive, everyone. Are you interested in boosting your brain power? So am I. This is Carolyn Gazella, co-host of 5 to Thrive Live, and I'm here to tell you about a supplement that I take. The human brain needs a lot of nutrition to stay focused throughout the day. Citicoline naturally enhances energy-producing centers within the brain. Cognizant delivers a clinically tested, patented form of citicoline that supplies your brain with the energy it needs to stay sharp. Look for Cognizant on the label, or for more information, visit Cognizant.com. That's Cognizant.com. your host tonight and I'm here with nutritional expert Ray Griffiths and we're talking about boosting brain power and before the break we were talking about the gut brain access so Ray I want to stay with the gut brain access there's a little bit more nuances here when we're talking about nerve growth factors and neurotrophins Um, tell us tell us a little bit about uh, those as it relates to uh, brain health and the gut brain access yeah so the Um, The gut-brain axis will raise the level of something called a neurotrophin, um, in particular brain-derived neurotrophic neurotrophic factor, sorry, it's a mouthful, so that's BDNF. And these neurotrophins, they they, they mean a a brain nourisher, and that that really opens up what they actually are. They, They allow nutrients to be drawn into neurons to help with uh, the nerve maintenance and growth. And the the gut-brain axis is is instrumental in helping us provide sufficient levels of brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Um, So this this is a really important thing. And one of the things they do, so I mentioned mitochondria before, 
Well, these neurotrophic factors, they, they act like magnets to draw mitochondria up to a synapse. And we, we now know that um, in many neurodegenerative conditions like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia, and also in depression, there's insufficient brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And there's another one, nerve growth factor. Um, and interestingly, people um, who have lower levels of, naturally low levels of BDNF may be more, um, may succumb to addiction more because they can't get that feel-good feeling from, from normal life. Mm. Wow, that's interesting. Um, so let's let's get back to nutrition and and nutritional supplement n- nutritional supplements. Before I talk about uh, nutrition and nutritional supplements, do you have an overarching view of nutritional supplements? Do you recommend them? Do you utilize them in in your practice? Uh, what's your general philosophy about nutritional supplements? I do use quite a few, um, particularly with Parkinson's patients. I use quite a few, um, and yeah, I found them really, really helpful. Just getting inflammation down, keeping energy levels up, reducing lipid peroxides, uh, helping to deal with toxins, um, helping with neurogenesis, and also, well, not neurogenesis exactly in, in Parkinson's, but but synapse formation. And I noticed one of your sponsors. Uh, is um, is uh, is it Cognizin? Is that is that how you pronounce it? Yes, Cognizin. It's it's acetylcholine. I've actually written about that nutrient uh, yeah. extensively. Yeah. So um, there's, there's, a, there's a there's a there's a the studies are showing that, that DHA, acetylcholine, and uridine as a combination are really good at helping to maintain synapse formation and and remake synapse remake synapses um, structurally. Um, and not only do they provide the raw materials, but also the genetic switching to help with synapse formation as well. So that's a really good combination that I will give people with, with Parkinson's in particular, and I'd suggest that with depression as well. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, we, we're big believers in citicoline, and we've combined it with some other things in a, in a formulation that we have as well to promote uh, brain function. So let's get back to the gut-brain access. So from a nutritional and nutritional supplement standpoint, what do you recommend to support uh, specifically the gut-brain access? The, um, so the, the, particularly the gut, the, the, the bowel flora, so uh, lactobacillus uh, and bifidobacteria. So b- both those ba- bacteria have been shown in many studies to be supportive for that gut-brain axis. Yeah, and then uh, what about from a food from a food standpoint? Is there anything diet-related that we should focus well, on? I don't, I don't know if you uh, like to recommend uh, fermented well, foods or yes, things like uh, that. Yeah. Soluble fiber is, is, is quite important for making sure there's a short chain fatty acids produced from the soluble fiber. Um, plenty of polyphenols, uh, they can also support a, a good population of bacteria too. So things like resveratrol, uh, curcumin, um, and um, just trying to think what other ones. So yeah, as I mentioned before, that luteolin and um, hesperidin, rutin, and all, all those. Um, polyphenols, flavonoids can be really supportive in a, a good population of gut bacteria. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, we uh, one of our other sponsors is the Dr. O'Hara Probiotics, and one of the reasons we like that probiotic is because uh, it's fermented with foods that then become prebiotic. Uh, yeah. So, so it's the, the, the 
Yeah, it actually the, uh, it feeds the the healthy bacteria, and it, it's just a really uh, wonderful uh, product. Very very unique. Um, so now I want to switch gears, Ray, because we've been talking a lot about food and feeding the brain to boost brain power. But now I want to talk about our lifestyle aspect. One of the reasons I like your work is that. Yes, you focus on nutrition, but you also talk about the things that we like to to focus on with the I Thrive plan in our spirit section. And we like to talk about love and support and service and gratitude and optimism and all of these things that uh, so many people are not talking about. So let's get your advice on lifestyle factors that you recommend for better overall brain function. Yes, so social enrichment is something that, that, that many of the studies are, are talking about in, in the last few years. So we, we, know, we now know that oxytocin that we used to think was just a, a hormone that was, to, that was related to mother-child bonding, we now know that happens with friendships as well. It happens with uh, family and friends. And so when we're around people that we love being with, we make oxytocin. Then that oxytocin then triggers the, the, the vagus nerve to then kick in and do anti-inflammatory things in the brain and all over the body, in fact, in the heart, in the bone, every part of the body is is healed by being back around people that we love and, um, and love us and we love in return. I think that's absolutely amazing. It sounds quite hippie-ish, doesn't it? But we now know the chemical links which allow that, that to happen. And conversely, if we're around people that... Uh, are quite uh, aggressive, they bully us, they talk down to us, then those people can inflame our brain. Uh, so we need to be, keep away from those kind of people and make sure we're with people that really care about us. I, I would agree, and I love the topic of oxytocin as well. I, the, the interesting study that I read, and I'm not going to get it, all the details correct, but it, was, it had to do with uh, dogs and that uh, when uh, a human looks in the eyes, directly gazes into the eyes of a dog, the human releases oxytocin, but the dog does as well. So, mm. so we're, uh, we can really, when we look some of the eye and we, we even give them uh, a kind glance and, and make eye contact with them, even something that small can help re, uh, release oxytocin in ourselves and in them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's that is a, a fascinating. We could probably do a whole show on oxytocin. <laughs> um, yeah, um, and making sure that you smile as well. I mean, I'm guilty of this sometimes. I just take things too seriously. But when you look at someone you love, just smile a little bit, and then that will release more oxytocin too. Sometimes with our stresses in life, we get um, hooked up into stress and forget to smile sometimes. Yeah, it's it's so true. And and you mentioned toxic relationships. And I have to tell you that after my diagnosis of cancer, which was, gosh, I'm going to be going on 25 years cancer-free in March. So it's been a long time. But I made a concerted effort to look at the negative toxic relationships in my life and and, and do something about them, um, uh, and either heal them or correct them or leave them or whatever, but to be very proactive in the types of people uh, that I hung around. And I think that that's really um, good advice. Um, what other lifestyle factors do you like to talk to people about? I think the social enrichment thing, I can see why it's at the top of your list for sure. Um, yeah. but, but where else do you go when it comes to, to brain function and... Uh, lifestyle mentally emotional there's the there's uh 
Um, environmental enrichment, that's the, another one that's, that's, that's incredibly important. So not just exercise, which, which is important as well, but in, environmental enrichment, making sure we're getting outside into green and blue spaces, which is by the sea, by rivers, by waterfalls. So, so they, they call them green and blue prescriptions because our, our soul needs them. We, our soul needs to be uh, near these green spaces. And if we're in a city, then get out into a park and make sure we experience those spaces, particularly in winter. Um, and interestingly, they, they found in the studies that, that people uh, got better mental health benefits if they were in spaces that had more variety of wildlife. So the more butterflies and rabbits and everything, the, the wider the variety of animals and plant life, the better response that people got in, in their mental health. Oh, I know that that's another big one for the I Thrive plan. Uh, you and I are tracking just perfectly, Ray, because I tell you, you're speaking my language. My favorite study about plants, because I love plants, I love birds, I'm a, a huge animal lover, um, was uh, a, a group of people recovering from surgery in the hospital. And in one group, they put plants in the hospital room and the other uh room they did not have plants that was the only intervention and they noticed that uh, they got out of the hospital quicker they healed faster their inflammatory markers were lower and yeah. it was only because of the the nice flowering plants so I, I think it's it's something simple because not a lot of people live in areas where they can in fact uh, you know see rabbits uh, necessarily mm. but yeah. so there are th simple things uh, that we can do so environmental enrichment that that's a, another great one is there another one you'd like to share with us uh, ways of accessing the vagus nerve again that that's so I've mentioned the vagus nerve several times but um, ways of ac accessing the vagus nerve so breathing is is a really important one we used to think that breathing exercises were just for oxygen but, but we now know that the this vagus nerve activation when we really f inflate our lungs and our abdomen the stretch receptors which stop us breathing in too much and it's called the henning brower reflex i believe he herring brower um and what, what happens is it's it, the, to stop us breathing in too much and damaging our lungs this vagal nerve response kicks in uh, and forces us to relax. And then by doing so, we are able to heal ourselves a little more by, by doing those breathing exercises. Mm. So that, that's, that's, really, that's, that's, that's really interesting. Um, there's singing, laughter, dancing, music. I mean, you probably go, go on forever, but uh, particularly Mozart, I think there's a Mozart effect, which is really, really good for the brain. Uh, but any music that you feel passionate about, just dancing and singing to your heart's content. Uh, I, th I think all those things, sometimes we forget we need to give ourselves space to do those. And that's interesting. Um, and all of these things will actually positively influence the vagus nerve. Is that what you're saying? The breathing, the singing, the laughter, the dancing, yeah, the music? It's, um, the research I've looked at is via uh, a brain-derived neurotrophic factor production. So I believe they will affect the vagus nerve but it's definitely affecting uh, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And, uh, but in a positive way, I'm, as, as I, I, I'm concerned about these growth factors in cancer, so I don't want the body to have too many growth factors, but the way we do these um, enhancements of these growth factors is in a really healthy way that reduces inflammation and protects the brain and protects the whole body. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting stuff because we also tie it into the immune system uh, where uh, laughter 
releases, um, you know, all these immune uh, cascading events. So our immune system becomes stronger uh, just by doing having a good belly laugh. So, yeah, the, the research associated with some of these really simple things that we can do, uh, the scientific research is really strong. Uh, does that surprise you? It does surprise me, but uh, because uh, in, in my past, uh, I, I did go through a hippie phase and I thought, oh my God, I'm going back to this phase about 20 years ago where I was um, <laughs> long hair and crystals and things. And I, I went through that phase and then became more scientific in my outlook. And I thought, no, I've left that behind. I, I don't believe that stuff. But it touches on some of that hippie stuff. And I'm really pleased that it's a scientific evidence to back up everything. And, and it's it's quite exciting. It is. It is. I interviewed a researcher from the University of Arizona the other day where she was talking about environment from a from a different standpoint, but how our surroundings impact health. And her research is in trying to improve surroundings in clinics and hospitals uh, because mm -hmm. our surroundings, you know, the, the colors and are we seeing outside and, as mm -hmm. I mentioned, flowers and things like that. So to see these conventional researchers take this on, I think is pretty that's pretty cool. I think yeah, I think we have to t take on board that through hum human evolution, we've we've evolved with uh, all these plants, animals all around us, and so we it's, a, it's an evolutionary need to have these feeding our our senses, and to believe that somehow we've evolved to not need these things to to feed our senses. It, it's it's just a complete mistake, and we we've got to learn quite quickly. Yeah, and, and you've given us uh, a lot of food for thought here and a lot of food for our brains. I mean, you, you've uh, taught us about nutrition and what we can do uh, to feed our brain properly and, uh, properly, and then also about what we can do with our lifestyle, the social enrichment, the environmental enrichment, you know, and singing and laughter. And these are all the things that we love to talk about, nature and animals. And uh, so you've really given us a lot of great practical advice. Now, um, what is... Uh, the title of your most recent book on depression. It's called uh, Depression, the Mind-Body Diet and Lifestyle Connection. So it's just trying to, within the title, give the idea of this whole body approach to supporting depression. Perfect. I think that that's really uh, well needed. And now where can people find out more about you? Do you have a website or social media that you'd like to share? Um, I've got a, a LinkedIn page and that's Ray Griffiths on LinkedIn. I've got a Facebook page. Um, that's the depression book. Uh, that, that's, that can be found by either searching the title on Facebook or the depression book. Um, and I'm also on Twitter as well. I don't have a dedicated, uh, a, a web page, but yeah, I just got those, those, um, those pages for social media. Perfect. And I just want to, uh, your last name, it's Ray, and it's G-R-I-F-F-I-T-H-S. Ray Griffiths. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I highly recommend that you look up Ray's book, look him up on Facebook and LinkedIn, and connect with Ray. He is a wealth of information. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, Ray. This has been a great show with a lot of important information about boosting brain health. It's a topic that's near and dear to our hearts, and I'm glad it is near and dear to you as well. Now, next week, Lise is going to be talking with Dr. Tori Hudson. She's one of our regular favorite guests, and they're going to be talking about ways to help menopausal women who are experiencing three key aspects that are troublesome for menopausal women. They're going to be talking about insomnia, weight gain, 
and hot flashes. So they're really focusing in on those uh, those three aspects, insomnia, weight gain, gain, and hot flashes. So tell all your menopausal friends to tune in next week. You're not going to want to miss that show. Check out Ray Griffiths on LinkedIn and Facebook. And um, it's time to enjoy the rest of your evening, and may you experience joy, laughter, and love. It's time to thrive, everyone. Have a great night.